1: So you know how we often have a brain fog blooper on the yes. show, a blooper or two? I've decided we should have a new category for the daft things that teenagers do. We need a name for it. I'm thinking teen brain farts. Do you like that idea? I don't know whether I can use the word fart out loud.
2: <laughs> okay. it upsets well, me slightly. It's like when their brain just goes so oh. contrary, opposite and wrong and they oh my do goodness. the most illogical things. Yes that anyone looking at them would exactly. say don't do that
1: exactly What's well i've got a good example well, this what well, this is what set me off so um teenage son 18 to get the end of the ketchup out of the ketchup bottle he decided to use a windmill action with his arm swinging his arm at arm's length swinging the ketchup to create a sort of centrifugal you know movement I I where this ketchup is going of course the lid wasn't on so but. the ketchup <laughs> the remaining ketchup all over the ceiling in the kitchen, all over the walls in the hall. It made it out to the hall, on the, the windows at the end of the kitchen, everywhere. So like course, that scene from Carrie. It was a bit, it was a bit red and bloody and very sticky. And of course, um was just left in that sense. Yes. <laughs> anyway, teenage brain fart.
2: That was yeah. one of them. Oh my God, the list will be huge. Mm. We had one leave the milk off, the, the lid off the milk the other yeah. day. And then come in and knock the milk, four pints of milk, all over the floor and shouting, who's left the lid off the milk? (laughs)
1: That really accusatory
2: way they have.
1: Yeah. So that's just two lid ones to get started with. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Trish Halpin. And I'm Lorraine Candy. And we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind
2: and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Trish and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers,
1: relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. Before we get into the delights of this week's episode, I feel I need to get something off my chest, Lorraine, because um, as anyone who's listened to my forest bathing exploits a few episodes ago, well, know I'm trying to shake off being a bit too judgy all the time. There is a little tendency you have,
2: but this is a safe <laughs> space to share and I'm not going to mock you. I might mock you a little bit. Uh, This does sound quite juicy, Trish, because you are a highly sensitive person, as we know, and it takes barely
1: anything to set Mm. you off, doesn't it? What's happened to Ruffle Your
2: Feathers this week, my delicate one?
1: Well, I was in the gin-changing room uh, this morning, in fact, after my swim, and I saw a woman sitting on one of the stools in front of a mirror, uh, you know, doing the makeup and the blow-dry, of course, all very well and good, but she was in a thong. Oh, you don't like that. (laughs) So, of course, I go into full judging mode about the inappropriateness of sitting on a public seat in a piece of cheese wire. I mean, too much flesh in contact with the plastic acrylic cover, I'm thinking. I mean, so am I being a total prude here or do you think that's appropriate gym changing room etiquette? Is it even hygienic? I wouldn't choose to do it myself.
2: (laughs) I wouldn't choose to wear a thong either. You're going a bit... um marion on me oh, Trish, do you remember Marianne. she's the listener who emailed us with lots of disapproving things to say about our chats do you remember she said this was just two women talking she, rubbish on the podcast she listened all the way to the end yes! but it was two yes. women talking rubbish i do i do think i agree with you on the thong but if you are getting a bit judgy i think we're going to uh, we're going to label you marion from now on um, that will nip you in the bud on the judgment. I'll say do stop that, Marion.
1: Okay, all right. That's It's a bit like having a safe word, but without the kinky sex, isn't it? What are you talking about <laughs> now? You've got Joan and Jericho on me. It's not the kind of chat I wanted here. Marianne would not like this. No, she wouldn't, would Okay, let's get things back on track and share what we've got coming up in today's episode. We have not one, but two guests because we are officially rolling out the red carpet for Olivier award winning actress and, dare I say, national treasure, Juliet Stevenson, who will be here with performer, podcaster, and campaigner Nikki Clark to tell you about their new campaign acting your age, highlighting that the entertainment industry should have an equal representation of men and women over the age of 45 on our screens, because it is woefully lacking. It just doesn't take much to work that out, does it? Well, you know, I'm very fired up about this one because
2: all this patriarchal bullshit really gets on my nerves. So it's good to see two
1: brilliant women sorting it out yet again. Yes, I think we might need a, a name for your cross alter ego. <laughs> so, if I'm judgy, prudish Marion, yes. uh, what do you think? What what could you be? I'm, I'm sort of uh, Millie Tant from Viz is bringing springing to mind. Do you remember that? She Millie was Tant.
2: The, I feel like she was the sexually frustrated feminist from. She was, Viz. yes. I quite like the idea of that. There has been satire around me before. Do you remember? Private, oh, I wrote that. I used to write a column. <laughs> yes ironically called I don't know how she does it in the Daily Mail and um, Private like Eye said I don't know why she bothers to write this. what like, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll have postcards from midlife
1: with Marion and Militant won't we? I oh, think well, so I, I think that's good but listen <laughs> Listen everybody, if this is all going a bit off the rails, uh, we're going to be getting very jolly shortly as we'll be having a jibber-jabber about music, the tracks that get us up on the dance floor, are midlife anthems and playlist favourites. Um, because we've both been out burning up the dance floor lately, haven't we? And it wasn't necessarily a pretty sight, but we certainly enjoyed ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say burning up the dance floor? Burning up, the, that's very 70s. I don't, the that's floor, do from, I don't know where that's come from, lodged in your subconscious mm. there. I'm actually really
2: good at dancing, Trish. Oh, yes, I know know you are. (laughs) Yes, it's quite a sight. It's quite a sight. Anyway... um... I'm going to keep my spectacular moves to myself and talk about something else spectacular, because we've been overwhelmed, haven't we, um, by our recent announcement that we're going to be bringing postcards from midlife to life with a live festival of fabulousness taking place next May on the 19th and 20th, May 19th and 20th, at the Business Design Centre in London. Um, I've made Marion a little special invite. And Trish, have you made a note of the date? Because when we did the launch video, you got it wrong, which is very Marian of me to point out, isn't it?
1: Yes, I did. It was a brain fog blooper, but you can't be perfect all the time can you as much as I try my very okay. hardest anyway I think we should give a quick shout out to everyone on the Facebook group who have sent such lovely comments and are making plans to attend already especially Elizabeth who is hoping to come all the way from Norway that's very exciting mm. and we will be
2: delighted we'll have a special welcome for Elizabeth and a special prize perhaps for our most far-flung Visitor, perhaps a listener from Sydney might want yes, to come along. Yes, we do have
1: them in Sydney, down under.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> or we could have one of Margot's alien cat friends from <laughs> outer space, because you know my theory about Margot. She's just waiting for the mothership to come back. Yes, and get her. they
1: might come down for our festival, especially wearing mm-hmm. their big fur coats. Yes. Um,
2: right now, though, we are in the early days of planning, and we're asking you to register your interest in attending. And if you want to do that, the website postcards from midlife live.com is live so sign up there and our events team will get back, did you hear that Trish I said events team, our events team I know,
3: <laughs> we're we'll
2: very get- important <laughs> we'll get back to you with ticket prices and packages very very soon and we're going to be updating every week on the podcast here and on our private Facebook group with more info as and when we get it because we do have quite a lot of exciting things planned, nothing for the Margo's though of this world
1: Meow yeah. Meow <laughs> Now, as neither of us is expecting an invitation to Desert Island Discs anytime soon, we thought we'd bring you some of our favourite music anyway, inspired by some brilliant nights out we've both had lately, some blasts from the past, and the tracks that give us the feels, as the young folks say. (laughs) Can we start with your frame frenzy last Friday? Oh my goodness. Lots of nice alliterations there. I'm dying to hear all about that. What happened? Tell me.
2: I'm name drop first, obviously. Of <laughs> course, um, Joe Wiley is a friend of mine who I know from Cornwall. Weirdly enough, because we uh, both from go to the same part. But anyway, she ha- she runs these '90s anthems nights, which where she DJs all around the country now if you want to go into a room with at least 500 women roughly your age and it was mostly women dancing to bangers as my daughter calls them from the 90s that you used to dance to when there was less of you dancing as it Mm. were um this is it go to a joe wiley 90s anthem night we went to Thrum because we wanted to have a night away five Mm -hmm. of us absolute brilliant fun and from the moment she played Bittersweet Symphony from the Vogue, oh. she came onto that. Oh, we had nice. goosebumps. Anthem. Yeah. Off we went. And I had forgotten some of the anthems, but my favourite one of the night that was the Tori Amos one, Professional Widow. You don't. Remember? Oh
1: no, of course I do. Got to be big. Yes. Got to yes. be big
2: don't know the words but it was just (laughs) mumble along (laughs) honestly the whole room went mad for it and then there was that wild child one back back once again with the renegade master Mm, all of those mm -hmm. songs that we used to i used to go to cream in uh, liverpool Mm -hmm. with my friends who were all Liverpudlian lawyers um and we used to just dance to them all night just fantastic i would highly recommend a night out dancing with your best mates um we were a bit tipsy (laughs) and we couldn't I'm sure get in our rooms to all oh, our keys mixed up and oh yeah but it was just absolutely brilliant oh, where did you go to flailing. dance well my time?
1: flailing around was at a birthday party actually but it was such a beautiful hot sunny evening it was in the south of france can, can i say that's so, <laughs> bit posh sorry but it was it was in the south of france <laughs> luxury, and it was birthday. <laughs> luxury birthday friend um and we were all on this terrace and it was just so gorgeous that you know the, the sort of, it was so warm the moon was up and then the music started playing and it it was just really brilliant brilliant dance music now you know me it doesn't it doesn't take much to get me dancing nothing trish i, I mean the
2: first beat bathroom. of any diner ross and you're oh, exactly. literally out there aren't I you So um, nude
1: you're out there i was nude this morning in the bathroom doing um, moving on up because that was on radio too was dancing <laughs> anyway this birthday party was great fun and it had great music and what was really nice about it was there was a lot of young folk there so there were a bunch of 18 year olds there as well and so they did a lot of the playlists but it was a lot of old tunes the one that we all loved see link hold us you know that one where you put your hands up in the air that one yeah, um Macklemore them, yeah. and Ryan. So so that was really good. So I loved that. I love dancing with your young folk. It's such a really lovely, yeah. pleasurable thing to do, isn't it, when they love the same music as you and you can enjoy something together and kind of it's a bit of that sort of passing on between the generations, isn't it?
2: Yeah so my uh, eldest who's 19 uh, bought my husband James a Red Hot Chili Peppers tickets Ooh, and they good. went to in London they went to see them together yeah. last weekend and I oh. realised that under the bridge and Californication and other side they were all sort of songs that we'd played a lot mm. as she was little that were part of her life now and we it Basically, being able to listen to that together while we're pottering around mm. at home, it's really lovely. Mm. She came back covered in merchandise. It is so weird to see a 19-year-old wearing a T-shirt with a load of 60-year-old men yes. <laughs>
1: Exactly, that is quite bizarre, isn't it? But I had a similar one where um, I went to recently a few weeks ago, they did a Hacienda night at the Royal Albert oh. Hall. And I took Kit, my son, because he loves all that sort of late 80s, early 90s kind of music. And they had obviously the legendary DJ Graham Park there and um, a, a really fantastic group called K- K-Class who did that, you know, let me yeah. show you, the, all of them. And, uh, and Bez made an appearance on what? stage with his maracas and i thought my son was just gonna fall fall over because he was so excited about it so that whole kind of you know happy monday step on and a new order blue monday those are the kind of tracks that they just like yeah. wow you got they can't believe that we were doing this first time round and it was it was such a special evening i have to say um, well, i doing a, a playlist now how would you go about that because I'm not the, my problem is I'm not very good can't be asked to put playlists together no. it's all a bit beyond me where do I look for new music because there's so much good old music isn't there
2: well there is but I, do you know where I there's two places I look uh, mm. for new music so Often I'll, if I'll, we watch something brilliant on telly, like I May Destroy You, the yes, soundtrack playlist agree. for that was just brilliant It brought a whole load of new music. Mm-hmm. And then you can go off down a rabbit hole looking at all of those tunes, as it were. Um, but the other thing that I discovered, which my daughter brought to me, my other daughter brought to me, was the Stranger Things Upside Down playlist so yeah. in strange things if you've all watched it to, to bring max back she plays uh Kate Bush running up that mm-hmm. hill which has now yeah. been I think it's had 57 million global plays yes. and it's number one all around the world so it's a piece of music that, that makes you so happy you come into the happy world so based on your Spotify list Spotify puts together your how to defeat oh. Vecna playlist for you so That's it throws in all the things yeah. that you would so top of mine I had a look at what it had uh, put together for mine was Stevie Nick's Age of Seventeen.
1: Oh Yes, <laughs> Which definitely. is so brilliant. Yes. It's so, oh,
2: so brilliant. Really good. I'm it had a lot right. of um, Verve and Blur and Sit yeah. Down by James, but it was just, like again, it had c- kind of compiled for me a playlist of brilliant songs yeah. that I love and have obviously listened to quite a lot. So that's one
1: of the places I get mine. Mm. Where do you get yours? Well, I agree with you about the TV soundtracks. I think with all the Netflix, etc., these these days, they're much more conscious of it. And it's really, really brilliant. And I think the first time I was aware of a really good discovering an artist through a TV show was um, Michael Kuanua on Big Little Lies, you know, yeah. Cold Cold Heart. I was like, this song is amazing. And it's just some British guy, you know, on this incredible Hollywood TV series. And then recently on Conversations with Friends, you know, the Sally Rooney, Phoebe Bridges, she's this new young artist. And she happens to be, beautiful songs. And she is Paul Mescal's girlfriend. Who is Bye. was in normal people? Sally really, okay. There's a connection there. But the other way, I um, it's a bit old fashioned, but it's still really good. Jules Holland, um, later no. with Jules Holland, he has the most brilliant kind of old new artists. And I discovered this the other week. I was just beside myself. A couple of sisters, they're twin sisters, and they're called eBay, but not in the eBay e b a y sense. It's spelled I B E and they are um daughters of one of the Buena Vista social club guys and they're this oh. sort of Venezuelan Cuban twins they're absolutely stunning and gorgeous and they have this song they did this song live called uh, sister and it's this sort of like anthem to sisters and the sisterhood and it was so beautiful i was just mesmerized and blown away by it so that was that was a really good find for me felt quite emotional actually with my sister sent it to my sister sent the video to my sister so that was good
2: was really can nice. we um talk about the thing that i bring up a lot oh put it in my head oh <laughs> At the funeral song. Oh, because they don't ask this question on Death no. Island Disc. What would you have well, played at
1: your funeral? Can I first say bravo? Because this is all part of your journey, isn't yeah. it? To acceptance and not being best afraid. death obsessed. <laughs> As we talked about the other day, you're you're getting better with you're not doing your death maths anymore. Well, I've got I think I have maybe mentioned this many moons ago on the podcast, um, but they haven't changed. So my going in music is the Smiths. There is a light that never goes yep. out. Yeah truck etc yeah. and then going out his atmosphere by joy division because it's so beautiful and right. so you know okay. uh, and I think that that might get them all crying happy crying maybe I right. say them all I mean who's going to be there I don't know just don't me know. mate just,
2: just me <laughs> saying w- I've got an alibi I'll be saying to everyone <laughs> I wasn't anywhere near her it's dancing me. on that balcony so I had a long thought think you thought about it um mm. I'm a big echo in The Bunny Man. Oh, yes. Uh, so I think Nothing Lasts Forever would yes. be my going in.
1: Yeah, like that. They'd all
2: be crying then. Yeah. The the banks of celebrities and yes. all the press outside. Well, you
1: might have 50 million grandchildren because you've got four children. So I knows? might, That's yes. a lot. You could have yeah, a lot. Yeah, one of them mm. could
2: be Prime Minister, yes. something like that. And then my going out music has mm. so obviously got to be quite upbeat. And then I was thinking, so what is my favourite ABBA song? <gasps>
1: Okay, that's a good one. Super, Super true, yeah.
2: <laughs> Jinx. Jinx,
1: brilliant! That is my favourite yeah. song of all. Do you think time. you can cry if that song's? You probably can't cry if that song's on. No, because you? you're just singing and dancing along. Yes, yeah. yeah. I went yeah. to one once where um, they had always look on the bright side of life coming out. Oh, and that I was <laughs> really good as well because it was sort of that sort of you know mixed emotions of laughter and this wonderful person and tears. But there we I go. I did
2: think about uh, the more common wise bring me sunshine. Oh, that's <laughs> Obviously, quite <laughs> yes. part of everything, exactly. isn't it? Anyway. Do you think
1: we need to? I think we're going to be uh, asking you guys to help us collate a postcards from midlife playlist, aren't we? So we're going That's to jolly good, that yeah. on the uh, Facebook groups. So if you put us your favourite songs on there that you think are on there, we at some point when we've got a minute, we might get round to sorting that out. Won't Let's we? do it. Mm-hmm.
2: Today's guests are a formidable duo. They are activists, actors, and campaigners raising the voices of midlife women. We're delighted to welcome star of stage and screen Juliet Stevenson, CBE, and performer, writer, and podcaster Nikki Clark to talk about Acting Your Age, the campaign Nikki set up asking the entertainment industry to agree to an equal representation of men and women over the age of 45 on our screens. There is, as we've discussed before on the show, a scandalous lack of positive role. Models for older women. We seem to become invisible after the age of 45, while parts for mature male characters continue to dominate. Our listeners will know Juliet from her award-winning part in Truly Madly Deeply with Alan Rickman over 30 years ago. She also starred in classics like Mona Lisa's Smile, Emma and Bend It Like Beckham. She's theatre and TV royalty and was most recently on our screens in ITV's The Long Call. And her new play, The Doctor, will be at the Duke of York Theatre in London from September the 27th. She has two grown-up children and last year she married her partner of 30 years, the anthropologist Hugh Brodie. Meanwhile, Nikki started out as an actor but became a longtime campaigner on equality and equal representation after caring for her mum who had Alzheimer's and her two disabled daughters. She also created a series of moving films for The Guardian about living with disability and set up Acting Your Age after her children became more independent and she wanted to return to acting but found there were few roles for women over 50. As Hollywood appears to be getting ready to greenlight more films starring older women and on the back of the success. Of Emma Thompson's performance in Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, we'll be chatting to Nikki and Juliet about their own personal midlife experiences and finding out why audiences really are thirsty for stories about
4: women's second act.
2: Welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Nikki and Juliet.
5: Hello.
4: Hello. Thank you for having us.
2: So I think we should start by asking how the two of you met.
5: Wow. The first time we met was on Dustbin Baby. Do you want to explain that to our listeners? Sure. That was a brilliant drama that was made for BBC. I think it was Kindle. And Juliet was playing Dakota Blue Richards' mum. So what was that, Juliet? 2009, something like that?
4: Yeah, it's a a film about a single woman, unmarried with no children, who takes in this young sort of foster girl um, who's been, yes, sort of, care, has been in care all her life. So it's a relationship between a middle-aged woman, me, and and this young girl who comes to live with her. And this impossible sort of unlikely relationship blossoms and blooms. And Nikki's daughter was in it. But we met then and then quite a long time later, wasn't it, Nick? You wrote mm. to me. She made me aware of this campaign that she'd started. And I thought, oh, that's absolutely what's needed and brilliant. And, you know, why haven't we all started this campaign? As Juliet quite rightly says, she and
5: many, many actresses over the last at least 10 years have been trying to raise the issue and raise awareness of the lack of equality when it comes to actors, male actors and actresses over the age of 45. And the fact that the um, casting opportunities, so the quality of roles and any roles at all, Uh, exponentially falls off a cliff once actresses, women, reach that age, whereas, of course, careers for men continue... Uh, for as long as they want them to, I think. Well, it's, it's so cross-making,
2: uh, so <laughs> cross-making. It may, like my midlife rage steam's coming out of my ears. Absolutely. Well,
4: the this. thing is, so when I when I saw that Nikki got this a campaign going, I thought, oh, that is exactly what we need because we're all been raging and steam coming out of our ears, and I thought, well, actually, what we need, as always, is to channel this energy, not into moaning over kitchen tables, but into doing something about it and taking it out into the world. And I sort of joined up on one or two other people I knew are sort of brought in. And then and then for a while it was sort of low key. And then suddenly, I mean, Nikki has been absolutely amazing. She is tireless. <laughs> she is incredibly efficient. She does not give up and she keeps on putting this story out. And then just suddenly like this year, suddenly people have picked it up. We were on Woman's Hour. We were on um, the Today programme. There's been lots of big articles in the big national broadsheet newspapers. You have invited, you know, suddenly, and, and and also I think very wisely, um, Mickey encouraged actors, male actors, to join and say, yeah, suddenly it's, it seems to be really gaining traction. I'm a great believer in campaigning. You know, I think it's so much better than this sort of destructive energy that goes into complaining and whinging and all, only talking within your own echo chamber group about how... Unfair it all is, I and mean, I, I like to sort of roll my sleeves up and get going with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Julia, it's hard to imagine somebody of your your status and your your caliber and your your CV of acting—it's just phenomenal—that you have ex- yourself experienced this, the the inequality in age and roles and opportunities.
4: Yes, you know it's complicated. So. I always say in this campaign, I am not campaigning for myself Mm -hmm. alone. I am campaigning on several counts. Perhaps the most important count is on behalf of women audiences. I'm campaigning on behalf of women audiences out there who do not see their stories reflected, and we'll talk Mm -hmm. about that later. I'm campaigning on behalf of many friends and wonderful colleagues in the industry who are supremely wonderful actresses of all kinds who work reasonably well until they're 40 And then systematically it's like driving on a motorway and suddenly you're aware of roadkill, roadkill, roadkill. And there is careers at the side of the road, not moving. And Mm -hmm. it's absolutely true. It's, It's terrible. It creates all sorts of tensions within a friendship if you're working and they're not. And there's no justice in it. These are wonderfully, wonderfully talented women. So I'm campaigning primarily on those two counts, but I'm very much also campaigning on behalf of myself. And I know I have had a a huge load of luck and that I do play wonderful roles. But I can only tell you that the difference in the roles you play, and I'm talking from a very privileged and lucky point of view, but... The roles I played between the, between the age of 20 and 40 were women who had the narrative, who 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 led the story, whose feelings, thoughts, responses shaped that story, and therefore whose sensibility and outlook on the world and experience was a huge part of that story that audiences received. After that age, you're very often playing somebody's wife, somebody's secretary, mm-hmm. somebody's annoying grandmother or wonderful grandmother, or you're carrying tray in an apron, you're domestic, whatever you are, you are very often marginal. I have so Mm. often, I've done wonderful jobs endlessly playing wives to, you know, Jim Broadbent, Timothy Spall, wonderful actors all older than me you know I know Tim Tim and I are the same age we were rather together but and I'm very happy to do that in a way but it does mean that no longer you know it's actually quite boring you know it's Mm. quite boring you think I've got to wait here and shape myself into the sort of wife that I think your character might need to have and that's fine too but what it means is that as I go get older and have more and more experience you know I've known a lot of grief I've known a lot of joy I've had lots of children I've been out in the world I've learned a lot more about myself I've engaged you know. I've worked for lots of charities. I've been, I've travelled. I, you know, I'm just a grown-up now in many ways, and I can't channel a lot of that into the work because there isn't the there isn't the opportunity for it.
2: And you started the campaign four years ago, Nikki, and then you almost gave up, though, didn't you? Because there was a sort of lacklustre response. But as you were about to give up, lots of uh, actors, male and female, said, don't we We will join. Were they telling you personal stories that the absolute need for this?
5: So many. So since I started, I started, as you say, in twenty what 18 now and it was something that i was noticing because i think one of the things to add is the fact that there is no such thing as women returning to this industry because you've you try and re-enter as i did at 50 it's just ludicrous there's just absolutely no opportunity there is for younger talent obviously but when a woman like for example in my case when your life goes in a completely different direction and then you want to be able to bring that life experience back into a career once your responsibilities so caring responsibilities in my case ease that's just not feasible because you are past it you are shelved you are ridiculous for even wanting to do it so i began to notice very graphically once this became very acute for me that I couldn't restart my career I was thinking well where are the women of my age then let me you know maybe I'm just misunderstanding this maybe it's just something that I have to accept and I looked around and I saw that there were so many male actors of my age and they were so often paired with women decades younger and I was thinking but that doesn't reflect my life experience my husband and I are roughly the same age (laughs) um you know all my friends partners are all yeah. roughly the same age i mean w- why is it every screen couple i see he is a wonderful well-rounded go-getter he's often a spy or he's a diplomat oh, Chris. Oh. A yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. you
1: know
5: yes. and they are not yes. only playing their age they're allowed to look their age as well and yet where are the female equivalents where are the wonderful actresses like Juliet that, that I would love to see leading on a drama that is or a comedy because we don't have women over the age of 45 leading any of our comedies. So I started to look at it and the thing about any campaign like this is you need that data. So I started mining all of the data that I could access and as soon as the first article went up which was in The Guardian four years ago um i was inundated with contacts from actors actresses and writers all saying oh god thankfully good there's an actual campaign that we can get behind our experiences are as juliet quite rightly says um that the that the castings the lead castings the 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 crucial roles where the woman over a particular age is the protagonist leading the story forward There's just nowhere you Mm. know so often stereotypical bigoted roles secondary roles that the woman who's causing everybody misery or telling everyone to be careful these are the only opportunities left for women for whom retirement isn't realistic at 45 in what other profession with that wealth of experience are Mm. women expected just to retire and not only to retire but to do so happily. And Mm. so I felt I had no choice but to try and keep making some noise.
2: I had um, Georgia Pritchett on the show, um, who wrote, was one of the writers Mm. of Succession. So you know Jerry in Succession? Yeah. When it was originally put together, Jerry was a man. Right. And it was only Georgia and two other midlife writers who said, if you do that, you will have so many scenes where there are only men Mm. in the room. Let's make Mm. her... Let's make it a woman, Mm. but let's make it a woman. And and then it was almost created as a kind of slightly maternal. She would be the woman they turned to. And and, and Georgia and the team said, no, let's make her like the men. (laughs) Let's make her sexy. Let's make her, you know, do these different things from what we see on screen. But they're not Mm. different things from what actually happen in life. And that's the Mm -hmm. issue, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Mm -hmm.
4: This campaign is not just about, you know, actors who need to be working and who who aren't working or aren't working in the way they'd like to. This is of huge importance to everyone because what is drama? Drama is what we do to, you know, to hold a mirror up to the world, to the world we're living in right now in this historical moment, in this part of the world, you know, and whether that's theatre, cinema, films being streamed or series, what we're doing is showing the world, revealing the world back to itself. And we're doing that hopefully with some, capacity to explore why people are the way they are why they do what they do and say what they say and why we're in the mess that we're in or why we're in the joy that we're in or whatever if that all that holding up of the mirror is always a male experience if it's always shaped by male values male views of the world even though those of course differ hugely i'm not generalizing that men you know of course there's a huge spectrum within the male view of the world but nevertheless if we're only ever doing that what are we doing Mm-hmm. You know, why, is, well, why are women not a, not only is most of the world run by men, but most of the interpretation of the world's events and, and humanity is being shaped by men's sensibilities, men's thinking, men's interpretations as well. So, I mean, that, that's why I think it's really, really important. And, and if you recognize that we are not, you know, women of my age aren't working as actors and Nikki's age are not working as actors very much. Um, because the roles aren't there, then that's clearly that women of our age and experience are not getting their stories or their view of the world told. And therefore, those members of the audience who are women, which which we're told represents the majority, you know, over 40 and women is the big demographic that watches this stuff. They're not seeing their own experiences Mm -hmm. reflected either. Mm. So it's a big issue.
1: Yeah. And it comes back to the writing, doesn't it? And the writers. So there's clearly for female writers, perhaps there aren't those opportunities. But we did notice that Landline Pictures was created in the US to help find and produce more stories specifically about women in midlife, like Book Club, Otherhood and, and One Eater. And they've they've made money. They make money, these films, don't they? So the, the potential is there. In terms of roles that have been good for midlife women and older, have you played any Juliet Nikki what ones do you think have been really good that we should be looking to well for me
5: the the really interesting change is starting to come in from the US which I didn't expect I'll be honest Mm -hmm. um so we have sort of European cinema and television which already appreciates women of all ages and now this move is coming from the US and we are still in the uk we are sandwiched in the middle with this clinging to the 16 to 34 demographic and that is a false economy as you say mrc the parent company that approached amy bear from landline pictures had surveyed all of the streamers and all of the broadcasters in the us the networks and they said to them which demographics are being missed out and and without exception they all said audiences over the age of 50 because they're just not seeing themselves and we have time and loyalty and disposable income and we choose you know what we will watch and what we won't and in the uk with terrestrial television again still clinging to this demographic they're failing to appreciate two very important things the the sections of the audience that are excluded, but also the fact that younger people aren't bigoted in the way that seemingly many commissioners are when it comes to older women. As you mentioned, succession earlier. The last episode of Succession was the top trending topic on Tumblr, a platform which is not known for middle-aged people. But as Amy Baer from Landline Pictures says, you know, the reason they're doing this, they're a business. It, she says ignoring the demographic of older audiences is just leaving money on the table so there's yes. a financial imperative too
4: that's right and i think the thing is that one of the answers to your questions i think where can you point to good examples in the states maybe why it's coming from the states is because we have a, they have this massive star system when you get meryl streep and you get glenn close or whatever you get a few female stars who get through that narrow set of 45 or whatever it is. And they go on to become huge stars. And the reason that we name them is because there are very, very few of them. We wouldn't sit here and try and name all the A-listers in Hollywood who are men mm. over 50 because, you know, it would take up the whole hour. The all day. But we talk about the Meryl Streep, we talk about Helen Mirren and you think, well, those poor, you know, they're poor, those poor girls, they're so exhausted. They never stop working. They had to carry the can for every woman over 50. It's very exhausting for them. But let's give them a night off. Let's let other people do it. <laughs> but um, you get Meryl Streep. And of course, you know, she's a massive office. Office. She's genius. She's a wonderful, wonderful actress. People want to see her. There'll be a whole bunch of people in a room creating Meryl's next vehicle and they'll be ransacking books and what can we adapt, what can we... So that's partly... So they will get a great role for Meryl Streep because they want her on screen because it's going to make a lot of money. We don't have that level of stardom here. But here's two really good examples to be positive. I'm about to go into the West End with a fantastic play, which was a huge hit at the Almeida. We were about to take into to the West End and to Broadway when lockdown struck. It's a play written in 1900 by Schnitzler, who's a Viennese writer, Rob Icke, age 34, my great friend and collaborator, a fantastic director, he also writes everything he does. He took this play and the central role is a man. It's a man who has this huge experience, which becomes a huge conundrum and he is the very center of the play. And gradually he gets his whole life and career are destroyed by a small event, which people take exception to. It's a phenomenal play about now, about cancel culture, identity politics, about the power of social media to destroy. It's a man. And what did Rob do? He said, there's no reason at all why this is a man. You know, this uh, was written in 1900, of course. So, but it could be a woman. I'm going, to write, I'm going to write it for Juliet. It's happened again with a director. I loved working with a young, brilliant, young television director. He was doing a series and it was all about what happened to a mayor of, a, of an Austrian town during the Second World War. And he suddenly thought, why has this mayor got to be a guy? I think the first question that writers could ask is, why have I made this character a man? Look into the world. Yeah. The world is full of men and women and powerful positions. Why, why has this character got to be male? If it can be female, why has it got to be a female under the age of 35? What you endlessly hear from women writers who do write older characters, that their execs will come back to them and say, the executive producers will come back and say, yeah, we love the script. Well done. Let's keep going. Could you please make those female characters 20 years younger than you've written them? We don't want them 55. We want them 35. There are many stories Mm -hmm. like that. And that female writer will either say no and fight it out and risk losing her job or her position, Or she'll say, I better do what they want because I want the next contract. And they've got to say yes because they're my bosses. And so, you know, she will.
2: The tide is turning. I mean, we are getting uh, more. Um, representation of women we've just interviewed katie brand who wrote good luck to you leo grand as well so we are seeing these women i guess you'd call them midlife coming of age plots that's what what we need isn't it so we need more women talking about it as well so there's stuff to write about we ask all our guests about their midlife they're kind of over 40 over 45 times because it's a huge time of change and learning and awakening or unraveling as well has happened Nikki. Talk us through your midlife.
5: My caring life was very, very tricky. So to be completely honest with you, anything outside of that, when you're caring for two disabled children and a mum with Alzheimer's and you're fighting and fighting and fighting, which I think kind of fighting institutions defined my life from my mid-30s through to quite recently, really, uh, and it's ongoing. Maybe that challenging of institutions might have been why I was able to sort of put a lot of that energy into challenging the status quo when it comes to female representation over the age of 45. I don't know. No menopause is easy. I'm not going to even begin to pretend. And I think we do a disservice to women who struggle desperately in in that change especially around that menopause and the physical things that are happening to your body but I think one of the biggest difficulties for me is the change that happens to you psychologically as soon as you are branded to have reached an age and a stage where you are redundant where you're non-viable where no one's interested in what you have to say or what you're doing or your creativity or any of those aspects as soon as we have this very narrow definition for women we have to ask ourselves why what's wrong with having gray hair as we grow old or why are we bombarded you know i was watching a harry potter film every single ad break was anti-aging cream and and (laughs) you're thinking this is a film for children and probably their mums would be mid-30s and they are being bombarded women are bombarded constantly with being told why we don't work why we're why we're broken why why we're failing because we're ageing.
2: How was your midlife, Juliet? What have you learned
4: over the last 10, 15 years? So, so, so much. I think this is a really fascinating conversation. I'd say I was in, I was very depressed when I turned 40. I was in despair when I turned 50. My 50s, and I've got to say, all you women out there who are heading for your 50s or just starting them. Nobody told me this, and it took me completely by surprise. Your fifties are the most fantastic oh, decade, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because finally, you know, I took a long time, and I mean, I was I was lucky work wise very very early on from from my early to earliest twenties, but I. I I didn't know who I was for a long time, you know, and I think it took me a long time. And and as a young woman, you're growing up constantly in a patriarchal world where you're constantly judging yourself along those values and you're feeling inadequate. I did anyway for a long, long time. I was always working with male directors and, 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 and anyway, I just grew up not with, with lots of, lack of confidence in quite a lot of areas of my life. When I hit 50, suddenly, you know, I'd had all my children. I'd brought them up. They touch wood, you know, everything was okay. I suddenly just stopped questioning myself. I didn't stop questioning the world. That would be boring, but (sighs) I had confidence. I had a lot of experience. I didn't really care nearly so much what people thought about what I said or did. I thought, this is what I believe. This is what I want. This is what I'm going to pour my energy into, like it or not here I come Mm -hmm. and that kind of the freedom from caring what the world thinks about you what the care what's going to say about you is Mm -hmm. so liberating and that liberation gives you tons of energy and I felt confident on stage confident on 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 camera so that was all fantastic and joyous and I would say as somebody now in her 60s you know that continues I, I know my time is limited it won't go on forever but on the other hand and this is a different kind of truth of course the loss of youth for a woman is heartbreaking you know I look in the mirror and I'm sh- so shocked by what I see. And when I watch myself on film, I, I literally sometimes cry. And I think, do I really look like that? Older age can make you look severe. The world sees that. A woman who's my age, but inside I, I just am not that age. So mm-hmm. there's this weird breach between who you feel yourself internally and how the world perceives you externally. That breach, that gap is sometimes really painful to have to negotiate as professionally and, and personally. It's very weird walking around the world completely invisible. There are a whole lot of very strange contradictions that you have to reconcile yeah. yourself to. And I would say to women, seize your 50s and 60s mm-hmm. and your 40s. Don't go into sort of... Don't don't compare yourself to the younger you. Don't feel it as a loss. Feel it as a gain. Enjoy your Mm -hmm. gains. You Mm -hmm. know, enjoy whatever life has given you in terms of experience and freedom and confidence. Give less of a shit about what people think. Go for what you need and what you think is important. Be true to yourself. Do that with the freedom that, that age affords you.
1: Well, we totally agree with that. We talk about it being the magnificent midlife, and we're both in our mid-50s. I'm slightly further on. From, slightly older. Slightly yeah. older than <laughs> but, but totally agree about that, just sort of throwing off all the cares about just not giving a stuff about mm. what anybody mm. thinks. It is so liberating. And Have mm. you felt that as, as well, Nikki? Yeah.
5: yeah, again, I think... Because Because of my caring years and because when you're a family carer, you're often the the, the only non-professional in a room. I think I made a decision quite early on as a woman to sort of say, actually, what I have to say, I have a a wealth of experience. You know, I have Mm -hmm. an, an input that I can make. And so I think that sort of transitioned over as i got older but i definitely think that juliet is so right there is something quite magical actually Mm -hmm. that happens in your 50s that you kind of you dread as she said you you dread your 40s this big great big number that is just like uh, we have constantly been told that's when everything will end that's when you are pointless and then you sort of get through the 40s and you think actually i 'm going to spend my early forties kind of looking back on my thirties, or or am I just going to enjoy my forties mm-hmm. by the time you get mm-hmm. into your fifties, you just think, "Fuck it, when am I going to be able to speak up if i If I still stand back and wait and ask permission to talk about the things that are that matter and talk about the things that are relevant to me as a woman i 'm mm-hmm. never going to be picked. There is mm-hmm. always going to be somebody else there's always going to be a man with an issue that i don't think is as important that is going to be given my spot so Mm. if not now when and there is that Mm. beautiful liberation in your 50s that happens and it and it does something does just kick in and you say you know what i love the younger women that i know in my life and i really love the older women that i know in my life And I think we can all coexist very, very happily with nobody having to take precedence. And if it's a patriarchal staple that we're supposed to condemn younger women and dread being older women, then that's not something I'm going to ever buy into. Mm
4: -hmm. You know, here we are talking about age and it's a crucial conversation and really important and I welcome it wholeheartedly. It's also true to say that that in a way I don't experience my age as a huge, significant factor. I've been alive on the planet for 60 something years I have in some areas of my life, just the same energy as I had when I was five years old, I still get just as much joy as when I was eight of jumping off a big rock. (laughs) or or splashing in the sea or throwing a tennis ball on a beach. My message to the women out there over 45, 50, don't feel you've got to behave in a certain way because of your age. Who says, who says age is the thing that defines you most? It's one of a multitude of things that define you. Don't be in the gaze of the world all the time. Be in your own gaze. You know, if you want to do something daft and crazy, if you want to wear a skirt above your knees, whatever it is, be the age you choose to be. You know, I mean, you can be, we carry all our ages with us. I don't think we lose them. You move on from being six and mm-hmm. sixteen and, and forty-six, but you're still those women. They're just inside you. You just accumulate more.
2: You have done something rather lovely in your. Well, I think in the last year, actually, you've You you finally got married, didn't you, Juliet? Yeah. Did. And I'm intrigued by a later life marriage. A, what do you wear for something like that? Because I was thinking, oh, that'd be lovely. Wearing yeah. Oh, I see okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and how does it feel? Being married after 30 years of not being married. (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny. I mean...
4: Slightly shy because you, know, <laughs> because you know, I always thought now oh, marriage is a patriarchal institution, you know, women don't need it, why do we need it, and all the rest of it. Well, um, and also I thought, no man is, I'm never going to take anybody else's name, how absurd, how how old fashioned. I haven't taken his name, of course. But I think I come from a generation who, who didn't want to conform, you know, who just wanted to break the rules and say the rules have not suited women, they haven't suited if, if, if you're a certain kind of person in the world, I don't want these conventions, I don't, you know, I don't like them, I don't want them. And then, But as the years have gone on and we had our children and they've grown up and everything, you think, I don't quite know what I'm sort of fussing about anymore. When marriage <laughs> as an institution embraced same-sex marriage, when same-sex marriage became legal and this country recognized that man can marry a man or woman can marry a woman, I thought, okay, good. This institution has finally taken a long hard look at itself and said we have to change so I can change too if this institution has said that then I'm okay I'm okay with it I can make my peace with it you know because and 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 then you know that tax man is going to take everything from us if we don't marry which is ridiculous and desperately needs to be changed it's Mm -hmm. not like that in many uh, other countries in the world but since that is the stupid situation um, so it was partly that but it was partly that you know I'm very proud of having a relationship that's lasted 30 years and I don't say that sort of arrogantly I say it because one of the most precious things I've learned in my life is what it is to love someone through thick and thin
5: yeah
4: you know Mm -hmm. through tragedy loss, uh, difficulty, anger and to love them and to learn what love is and how tough you need it needs to be and how incredible it is when love sees you through very difficult times and you emerge and you not only do you still love each other but you love each other more with more knowledge, with more depth, with more durability and that's been one of if not the most extraordinary you know experiences of my life and I thought I now would like to stand up and say this is my person this Mm -hmm. is the person I'm doing this with you know and I love him if anything more more and more as that knowledge develops and goes on and so yeah
0: as for the ceremony itself
4: it it was in a really tiny little registry office in Woodbridge in Suffolk next to a funeral <laughs> parlour. I said to my daughter I'm not going to get a dress and she said you are joking. So one of the great <laughs> joys of doing it older is that she dragged me and we went off and um, she bought a dress that of course she could borrow later of
1: course. <laughs> <laughs> smart daughter move, very good, very good. It was oh.
4: low-key but it was lovely.
1: Oh how wonderful. And Nikki could we just talk for a moment about the, the work you do championing disability rights. You know a lot of our listeners will be caring as well for yeah. uh, children with learning needs and also parents with Alzheimer's it's 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 that that mm. critical age isn't it we're all kind of looking looking towards that with our own parents and um, what advice would you have for anybody who is in uh, a situation now with concerns about caring? I think there are two main
5: pieces of advice that i'd give to anybody and i shudder to do it but you have asked me so i will Mm -hmm. um the two pieces of advice are please recognize that you are a carer you know oftentimes people will be like no 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 that's not me no i just help out now that can be a neighbor that can be a friend that can be a partner, that can be a child or a parent. But oftentimes we are very shy about saying I am a carer because it's it's almost as though we are claiming something that we're not entitled to. Just recognize that because as mm. soon as you do, you start to recognize that you have a requirement and a need. And that's the, other, the next piece of advice, which is that that requirement and that need is to make time for yourself because... We, as carers, family carers particularly, uh, we put ourselves at the very bottom of the list and yet we are the glue. And again, because my caring duties have diminished now and they are less than they were, I can I can say this, we are the glue. And oftentimes we are managing many, many carers, predominantly women, but of course there are men who are carers too, uh, full-time jobs, uh, other family members who have needs, your uh, own health, your own responsibilities. So, that glue will not remain as crucial if you don't take time for yourself. And that can be an hour a day, 10 minutes a day, whatever it is, you deserve it and you need it. So, those are my two main pieces of advice, really. Um, and also, you know, if I can make a request, it's for better recognition for family mm-hmm. carers. Because again, family carers don't receive either the financial recognition that they deserve or, I'm afraid, societal recognition. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, billions is saved to the Treasury. I'm not going to make this political, but billions is saved to the Treasury of every government by the work of family carers and by the fact that that is picked up. So those are my Two pieces of advice.
2: Very You What's two helping? are just brilliant. We oh. love this campaign. So what? Co- so before we go, what can our listeners do? So Trish and I are going to write a midlife coming-of-age story. I think now.
1: We're just <laughs> <laughs> do it, aren't we? Yeah, Only there's women. So much material to yeah, mind there, we isn't it? it? Just from yeah. what you guys have said to us today.
5: <laughs>
2: yeah. But before yeah. we go, what can our listeners do to help? How can we help the
5: uh Acting Your Age campaign? From my mm. perspective, sharing the news. I mean, it's so brilliant, and thank you so much for having us on your yes. show, because that is you know one of the things it's getting the word out there yeah uh for middle-aged women listening i, I would say that uh, one of the things we're terrible at is recognizing perhaps discrimination that targets us as a demographic they did some research at ofcom and it came out of wales and they noticed that middle-aged women are brilliant at seeing lack of representation or bigotry or discrimination affecting other groups but very bad we are very bad as middle-aged women are saying actually we we don't get that we get a lot of ages and we don't get representation and we get a lot of discrimination so become better at recognizing that you Mm. have a right to say this is what i like and what i Mm. need i'd say to commissioners out there please stop aging down the female characters and their romantic partners you know middle-aged men and middle-aged women on screen have exciting vibrant stories to tell make more Middle-aged women, the leads again. If you're a commissioner or a writer, and please stop making every story to do with middle-aged and older women about them suffering health crises. Mm. Many <laughs> yes. of us are, but we don't want to hear it. We don't. Want it's to not entertainment, it is it? It's not entertainment. Make us assassin spies. Make us beautiful subjects. As as assassin. Juliet's new story that's coming up. And remember yeah. that the two women who created the vaccine for COVID we're middle-aged women
3: mm-hmm. so
5: this is a, a, a time in life when you're really achieving and yeah. uh,
1: that's. and all. we should be calling it out when we see it and it's wrong let's all call it out right that would on be my request yeah. Yeah. yeah i
4: mean i think oh. what nikki said it's very interesting because i think people don't even notice you know i think that this sexism and ageism is so deeply ingrained that people don't even notice it mm-hmm. so start noticing it start looking at it turn on your telly and just notice how many middle-aged women are appearing in those stories and and write write to commissioners write to the BBC, write to the ITV, write, to, write, you know, if you can be bothered, notice it or, or, or comment on it on social media. Just mm-hmm. start noticing it and call it out.
2: So here's to the positive, brilliant, uplifting stories of midlife women that we will all be reading about and seeing next year. Thank you very much, <laughs> Juliet and Nikki.
4: Thank you, you so right much again. for having us, Thank really. You. Thank
2: you. you. <laughs> Bye more music Trish I'm sticking to the theme we okay. are at nostalgia music. oh
1: okay is it name that tune it's name the year
2: and I'm going to put this year to rest which might give you a clue <laughs> if asking about it so let's just get
1: Should rid just, of it can, can I say no, it now
2: no no right. <laughs> right so this is the year disco was born earth yes. wind and fire were yep. huge let's groove tonight let's groove tonight okay It's the year ABBA had their biggest selling albums. Mm -hmm. What about that, eh? And uh, it's the year Elton John got his uh, waxwork at Madame Tussauds.
1: (laughs) Well, that's important. (laughs) I wonder if it's been updated since. I'm sure it must Well, I don't know. What, new wig, Mm. something like that. Can I say
2: that? New glasses, new platforms. Mm. Uh, Hotel California was at number one. Mm. It was the big hit of the summer. And... I settled in Cornwall because we'd moved back and forth for a bit. Yes, so okay. Yeah, yep. got to there. mention Cornwall. Yeah, got to mention Cornwall. Should have mentioned it with Tori Amos earlier. You Cornflake did. Well, you girl. did
1: mention it with Joe Wiley. So you're okay. Oh, good. You've good, already good. got a couple Joe of mentions couple. in there. Yeah.
2: Um, the Queen, listen to this, sent her first email in this year. Really. Now There's that would have some Wikipedia thing that because has... Apple Inc.
1: started this year as well. Okay, I don't believe that. I think some Wikipedia person's just made that up to confuse okay. some conf- fool people fools like us. Do you want yes. to guess it then. I'm just gonna to to say nineteen seventy-six. Yes, yes. <laughs> because it's the year I say every time. Was it that year time. in a really hot summer, yes. Yeah. So next <laughs> week I'm going to challenge you and see if you don't say 1976.
2: Well, I don't need to say it now, because we've nailed it. Well, and I don't know, I might we trick can't do you. I can again. We don't might. do it
1: again. That's I might double bluff you. Might double bluff you. All right, Marianne that brings us to the end of this week's postcards from midlife new episodes are available to listen to every sunday on your podcast provider and we would really appreciate it if you can make sure to download your episodes so they count on our listener numbers and if you could rate and review us too that would be really really helpful and don't forget if you want to register your interest and find out more about our live show next may go to postcards from midlife live.com and please tell your friends about the show and about
2: our podcast we want as many women as possible to join in the midlife conversation which is what our private facebook group is all about so i hop on over there and join up you do have to answer some questions to join up and if you don't answer them then we can't let you in and you do have to be female
1: <laughs> quite a lot of men try and join up recently come and join the chat
2: there Yes,
1: and you can use it to post any feedback on the topics we discuss, as well as suggestions for other things you'd like to hear talked about or celebrities and experts you'd love to hear interviewed or who you'd like to see at our live show. And of course, you can email us at hello at com or pop a little message on Instagram.
2: Goodbye. Bye.
3: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.